If you've been with us over the summer, you'll know we've been engaged in this series called A Home for Your Heart. Uh, we have been zeroing in on how vitally important it is for us to be engaged in a healthy, meaningful relationship with our Father in heaven. As most of you already know, much of which gets expoused as, as uh, central, important to our Christian faith, the life and the death, the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, gets most of the pub, gets most of, the, uh, of our attention, and rightly so. Uh, the cross is the uh, centerpiece of our faith. And for those of you who come here particularly, you'll know that uh, we choose to also emphasize uh, the vital role the Holy Spirit plays in all of our lives. And again, I would say rightly so. But uh, what, we've, what I've been looking to do over the summer here is to make sure that the first person of the Trinity isn't the last one that we think about. The Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And if you've done any, uh, any theological exploration, you'll know that the Father plays the top role of the Trinity. He is the head of that which goes on. And may I remind you as we begin this morning that the Son would not have come if it would not have been for the Father. The most famous scripture that many people know is John 3.16. For God, Father, sent his one and only Son, right? The Father, it was the Father's heart. It was the Father's idea to send, if you will, the Son. We also know, according to what Jesus said, he said that the Holy Spirit was the promise of the Father. It was the, in the Father's heart to pour out His Spirit on all flesh. And so as we're on this journey of growing in our faith, it's important that we're not only continuing to embrace what the Son has done, it's not only important that we continue to explore the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives, but I, I'm trying to get us to see that it's vitally important that we also pay attention uh, to the relationship that you and I have uh, with the Father. Um, <clears throat> you see, Jesus didn't come uh, to die so that we could go from being condemned criminals to forgiven criminals. The Holy Spirit was not just poured out on all flesh so that you and I can enjoy God's presence in our life. All of these things work together in such a way as to bring us back home so that we can find ourselves at rest in the Father's house. Your heart, my heart, needs a home. Part of what we are are, are up against as not just our culture but the world in general is that people are looking in all uh, a sundry of places to find a heart for their home. And the only true, uh, the only true place, the only true way that our hearts are going to find what they long for is when we find ourselves back home with our Father. When we find ourselves back home living and enjoying his, uh, uh, his fellowship uh, in his house, there are many of the things that end up getting dealt with that you and I wrestle with. For example, we've talked about how we as by nature are insecure people. Uh, because of those insecurities, we're looking for all different kind of ways to resolve our problem. But, but what we've been talking about here, when you and I truly understand that we are once again at home with our Father, those insecurities begin to dissipate. Those insecurities begin to evaporate and we find ourselves much more at rest. When we see ourselves at home with the Father, we are able to trust again. We are able to know that He has 
He, ha he has our back. Right? We don't, we don't have to be striving and, and uh, wrestling with things previous before finding our hearts at home with him. Today I'd like to talk to you about yet another benefit of living in the Father's house. I struggled with a word, a word or an idea to come up with. I was, we were talking earlier in the week, and I already knew what I wanted to talk about, but I was trying to come up with a way of, of uh, trying to convey it in a word, and I had, I had landed on a couple of other words, and then as the week unfolded, I'm like, I don't like those words. So here's my, here's my one word to describe what I believe, one of the benefits that I believe you and I benefit from living in the Father's house. I'm calling it protection. 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 As you know, we have been dipping in and out of the story that Jesus told in Luke 15 called the prodigal son. We've been going there. We kind of started there, if you'll remember, and looked at that a little bit. And then each week we've been kind of dipping in and out of that to talk about the benefits of living in the Father's house. Now, in that teaching, Jesus made it abundantly clear that when the younger son left his house, he left the protection that was afforded him. When that younger son decided to take his inheritance and leave the, the, um, the fellowship of the father and go off and do his thing, Jesus describes to us where that ends up. He said the son went out and he went into all kinds of uh, wild living, riotous living. And, and where that led to was uh, him being uh, outside the father's protection in this downward cycle that left him destitute and vulnerable. That's the way that Jesus described it. When the son left and went out to do his own thing, it left him in the end destitute and vulnerable. Now, the converse is also true. Jesus went on to describe the homecoming of the son and all of the, you know, the things that unfolded, get the robe, get the ring, get the slaughter, the calves, so and so on. But as Jesus is describing that, and particularly as he's talking about uh, uh, the message being delivered to the older brother, he said in those words, this is Jesus talking now, he said he is home now, safe and sound. Safe and sound. In my mind, those are words that speak of protection. Safe and sound. Just as our homes in the natural provide a measure or means of protection for us, so too does you and I living in our Father's house. Our natural homes <clears throat> provide protection from many things from us, for us, but one of the three of the primary ways I kind of understood our homes to protect us was from predators, the elements, and influences. Your natural home, the place that you call home, that you go to, provides protection from predators, elements, and influences. Let's talk about that for just a minute. Minute. By predators, I mean both animal and human. Both animal and human. Uh, just a week or so ago, our daughter called us up. Uh, our daughter, Bridget, they live up on Washburn Road uh, over, over in the Centerville Bliss area, over that way. And she called us up and she, she said, you'll never guess what happened in our yard at our house. She came out of the house, and there a coyote was killing one of the neighborhood chickens, right? And so, so she finds her way, as you can imagine, back in the house, right? 
Because the house created a sense of protection from a coyote that was out in the middle uh, of the day. Thank God we have houses to run into, right? Uh, this a uh, few years ago, probably about 10 years ago now, I was up in the uh, what they call the bush of Canada. And we were way back in. We had driven uh, miles and miles back in. There was no... There was nothing around for, for many, many, many miles, right? And uh, there were some other guys with me. And on this particular occasion, a young man by the name of Isaac Falcone. Isaac, are you here today? Sometimes they're here. Okay, he's not here. Anyways, we, he and I were sleeping in the same tent. And about 1 o'clock in the morning, now, as you, as you walk around up there in that area, uh, there's a lot of, um, on the roads, there's sandy areas. So you kind of get to see the tracks of uh, the animals that are around. And, and one of the things that we saw was a wolf track. And I don't know, somebody had a pocket knife with them or something, and, and the pocket knife was probably, uh, I don't know, three, three and a half inches long like that. And we took a picture because we couldn't get over how big this wolf track was, right? So we laid the pocket knife in the wolf track, and the wolf track went out beyond the, the pocket knife that, that the person had, right? So we took a picture of it. And I think I still have that picture somewhere still today. And so about 1 o'clock in the morning, uh, as we're there in the tent, we started to hear the wolves howling what sounded like to be not far outside our tent, right? And I remember this as vividly as though it was yesterday. I'm laying there on a cot in my sleeping bag, and, uh, and, 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 and as I'm listening to this, I'm wondering if Isaac is hearing it, right? I mean, it, it woke me out of a sound sleep, and I'm thinking to myself, I wonder if, if Isaac is hearing what's going on outside our tent right now. And about that moment, I see some movement on the cot next to me, and he rolls over, and all I see are eyes <laughs> about this big, right? And he said, how close do you think they are? I said, man, it don't sound like they're very far away. And at that moment, we both realized this nylon tent offered zero protection for the moment, right? I mean, you got that, you know what I mean? I mean, you got a rain fly on there, but it's as thinner, thinner than the tent itself. I mean, it would take nothing for these things to uh, decide that they would make us lunch for the, for the you know, a middle of midnight snack there in the middle of the wilderness. Thank God for our houses, right? They offer us a level of protection from some predators, not just animal ones, but also human ones. Uh, Jesus said this in Luke 12, 39. He said, but understand this, if the owner of the house, if the owner of the house had known what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let the house be broken into. Our homes offer us a measure of protection from people who would look to do ill towards us, right? Right? Yeah, it, they do. How about the elements for a moment? How many are thankful for your homes when we're having, uh, you know, two feet of snow and the winds, and the winds blowing sideways, Right? You're thankful. Uh, just the other day, uh, as we were at our house, all of a sudden, one of these uh, summer uh, uh, storms blew in, right? And, uh, and the wind's swirling and all that kind of stuff, and then it just lets loose. And, it, you know, it rains like an inch in 10 minutes, right? It like that. In those moments, I am thankful for my home, that I'm inside and that's outside right? They offer us a protection from the elements. And then finally, our homes are meant to be a safe place 
a safe and sound place from the influences of this world. Yes, they are. Your home is meant to be your sanctuary, the place where you come away from all the the negative and evil and junk that this world throws out there at us. Now, here's the truth of the matter. Those influences only can get to us to the degree that we allow that to happen. Uh, now, now, mind you, I know I could go off on a tangent here and, and tell you how, how we let those things in through our TVs and, and multimedia and all that kind of stuff, right? But a lot of the times, they come in through us. You know, we're out there in the world and we're being exposed to all this junk and, and then we bring it home with us. And it finds its way into our home. But our homes are meant to be a refuge away from all of that crud that the world throws at us. That's what they're meant to be. A place to come in and out of all that stuff. In fact, um, I was reading this week about the value of gatekeepers in the Bible. And I don't know if you know this or not, but as soon as God's house was set in place, as soon as it was erected, the first thing, the very first thing, you can read about it in 1 Chronicles chapter 9, the first thing that happened after God's house was kind of set in place and things were put where he wanted them and whatnot, the very first thing that happened were gatekeepers were set over the openings. And those gatekeepers were set in place to to monitor and pay attention to to the things that were coming and going, but also the people that were coming and going from the house of God. And the gatekeepers were kind of like a a bouncers, if you will. You know what I mean? They They were set in place to make sure that the house of the Lord stayed what it was meant to be. A place where people could come and find God's presence without a bunch of distractions and and influences that would render them ineffective in doing so. They ensured order and protection for God's house in the same way that our natural houses afford us an element of protection from things that would look to harm us body, soul, or spirit. So I believe living in the Father's house affords us a level of protection for also our bodies, our souls, and our spirits. One of the classic passages that that the Bible has for us in terms of God's protection in our lives is Psalm 91. You may have read it before. As I start to read it, it'll probably sound familiar to you. But I'd like to start by reading the first 13 verses And here's what it says to us. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. Let me, let me, I'm reading it to you out of the NIV, but let me just tell you what that says. He who dwells in God's house. That's what it's saying. He who dwells in the shelter or house of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, uh, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. 
You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked if you make the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you, no disaster will come near you, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways, and they will lift you up with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone, and you will tread upon the lion and the cobra, and you will trample the great lion and the serpent. This is talking about the protection afforded us by making our dwelling place God's house. That's what I just read to you. Now, as you read this, you could easily come away with the impression that if you commit yourself to living and enjoying God's house, nothing bad will happen to you. I just read it to you. It sound, in fact, in verse 12 it says, you, if you live in God's house, if you dwell in the shadow, uh, in the shelter of the Most High, you won't even stub your toe. That's why I just read to you. You won't even stub your toe. It would be easy to come away from reading this thinking that Nothing bad whatsoever will ever happen to you if you make God's house your dwelling place. You could also, as you read this, come away thinking to yourself that if things are not going well, it must be that I'm not living in God's house. It's kind of the converse of what I just said to you. This matter of protection from God comes under great uh, question, especially when you and I find ourselves dealing with issues of sickness, trouble, tragedy, things that happen to us in life. We can read that passage and say, huh, what's the problem here? I just read, it, I just read that if I make the most high my dwelling place, no harm will befall you. That's why I just read. I'm reading it again. Then no harm will befall you. Now, in trying to reconcile these things, people have, uh, uh, people have done some things to try to reconcile them. One of the things that people have done in reading this passage is they've, in an effort to reconcile uh, what I just read, and conclusion you could come to, right, with, with uh, real life, right? So what some people have done is said, well, Psalm 91 only, uh, only applied to the Jews of that day and age. It doesn't apply to us today. So they, 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 in essence, they're saying, you, you know, God once cared for the Jewish people but now, for us, not so much, right? Trying to reconcile the, this passage. Others, in an effort to be true to God's word, have, have decided to uh, take the route of blaming themselves or blaming others if something bad happens to them. For example, you are sick because you did this, that, or the other thing, right? Right? We extend uh, 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 some blame in some direction to try to make sense of what, we, what I just read to you. While others, I think sadly, um, in an effort to reconcile these things, have come to the conclusion that apparently God doesn't care about me, his word is not true, and have simply walked away from the idea that God cares for those who are his. Sadly, a lot of people in wrestling with this have come to that final conclusion and have simply walked away in terms of having their faith in God. Now, I want to, I want to um, help make some sense of this for us this morning. I find it interesting that the devil himself use this passage, this Psalm 91 passage, to try to de derail Jesus himself. 
at the wilderness, when Jesus was being tempted, you may remember there were three volleys, if you will, of temptation. During the second volley of temptation that Satan threw at Jesus, he actually quotes from Psalm 91. Remember, Jesus was up high on a high place. And the enemy said, the enemy was uh, trying to get him to throw himself down from that high place. And it went something like this. Let me, I, I could read it to you verbatim from Scripture, but let me, let me say it in a way that will help you wrap your brain around it, right? This is how the enemy approached Jesus. He said, Jesus, if you trust God, he will protect you. I mean, the psalm says that he will not even allow your, your toe to be stubbed. So surely you can throw yourself off of this high place with no worries. And if God doesn't protect you, surely he is not the one who keeps his word. That's in essence what Satan was trying to tempt Jesus to do. Was to prove that God would, would follow through on Psalm 91. Now, let me, can I just say you, let me give to you just a little, uh, it's a good little bit of Bible interpretation rule of thumb, right? If you come to the same conclusion as Satan does, you have misread something. Just a little hint for you, a little bit of a clue there, that if you land with the same idea or impression that Satan does, you're, you're a little off track, all right? Something's not right. Now, I want to go back now. I only read to you through verse 13 of Psalm 91. I want to finish reading the psalm now, starting with verse 14. I ended with, he will not, he, you will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Now, verse 14. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me, and I will answer him, and I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Amen. Now, let me just make a little commentary to you there, right there, right here, right now. <clears throat> you don't rescue or deliver someone who is not in trouble. That's the whole point of rescuing and delivering from people who are dealing with some level of trouble. People, I, we all know this, right? He talks about, uh, it says here, he will call upon me and I will answer him. Uh, do you, are you aware that most of the time when people truly call out to God, it's because they're in trouble? Not because they have no trouble, but because they are in trouble. And then it goes on to say, clearly, I will be with him in trouble. I will be with him in trouble. Now, I know that's probably not what some of you would like to hear this morning. You would like to believe that if you dwell in the house of the Lord, that there will be absolutely no, nothing, no trouble will come your way. But if in a whole reading, not only of this psalm, but in a whole reading of Scripture, we know that that's not the case. Uh, for example, let me just clarify this. They believe that Moses... Some feel David, but most feel Moses is the one who wrote this psalm. We know from a study of Moses' life that he found himself in trouble. But he still came to the conclusion 
that I'm much better off in the shelter of the Most High than not to be in the shelter of the Most High. I'm much better off living in God's house than I am outside of God's house. Now, what I'd like to talk to you about is how is it that God goes about bringing protection our way? How does he do that? How, does, how do we benefit from living in his house where there is a, 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 a force shield, if you will, of protection for us? Now, before I, I'm going to give you three things. Before I give you those things, I just want to say, on a, I'm just looking at this thing practically. Jody and I, as gatekeepers of our home, as ones who God blessed with three children, we looked as parents to do whatever we possibly could to protect our children. Right? I mean, you just do that. That's what you do. Right? We did not have an I don't care uh, policy. That's not how we rolled. We were attentive to what was coming in and going out of our home. We were attentive to, uh, you, know, what, you know, just things. We were, we were paying attention, right? But there were still things that happened. Right? I, it wasn't because we didn't care about them. It wasn't because we weren't looking to offer a level of protection for them. But stuff happens. Stuff happens. Life happens. Now, here are some ways that I believe our Father looks to protect us. The first one I'm calling the protection of wisdom. The protection of wisdom. Listen as I read to you some verses from Proverbs. Listen, my sons, to your father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. When I was a boy in my father's house, still tender and an only child of my mother, he taught me and said, lay hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or swerve from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. Wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. I believe that if you and I are living in the Father's house, and we are inclined, and we incline ourselves by giving ourselves to what the Father would teach us, not, I'm not just talking earthly fathers right now. I'm talking heavenly father. If we will incline our ear, orient our heart in such a way that we're listening to what the father would tell us, he will give us wisdom about, about things in life that I dare say will resolve 90% of the trouble that we find ourselves in. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? It's like, but here's the problem. Here's the problem. By nature, by nature, human nature, you and I are prone to be like the younger son who does things on his own. That's us. But, but, if we were willing and we would give ourselves, Father, what are you saying about this situation? 
Father, what are you saying? Uh, what, what are you teaching me? What are you, what, 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 I, what do I need to know about this moment in time? And what good advice would you give me about how to navigate this? I'm telling you, if we would do that, there would be a level of protection for our souls that we can't get any other way. But a lot of times what people do is they just throw themselves out there into situations they get all beat up and bloodied and, and hurt and wounded and whatnot. They're like, well, God, where were you? What, what happened? What? There was a failure to listen. A failure to institute wisdom on the front end rather than trying to find a way out of a situations we get ourselves in. Now, I'm not... I'm not throwing that out to you, I found my own self in those places. Like, how did I get here? I never leaned in. I never leaned in. I just stepped out on my own. I didn't say, Father, hey, you got any good, good wisdom for this moment before I go plotting into it? No, I plotted in, and then I'm like, well, yeah, didn't listen. Didn't listen. There is protection for us that he gives like a father would give to his own son. Don't do that. It's not going to be good for you. Our father has the same kind of wisdom for us. That's number one, the protection of wisdom. Number two, the protection from the unseeable. Psalm 91.3, the passage we just read, it says there, He is the one who will rescue you from the hunter's traps. The snares. I believe, this is what I believe. You can disagree with me, that's fine. I am thoroughly convinced that as we find ourselves intentionally looking to live in the Father's house, leaning in to what the Father would say to us, I believe that the providential hand of God goes before us dealing with things we can't even see. Hidden things. Unseeable things. Things that we are unaware of. But I believe, I, call me crazy, I just believe, I've seen it enough unfold in my own life that God sovereignly, sovereignly, without my knowing, without my pleading, without my even asking, he sovereignly dealt with some things so that I wouldn't get caught up in it. I believe that. That's a level of protection that we are afforded as we find ourselves living in the Father's house. There were situations when we were raising our children that I'm very confident to this day there were certain things that Jody and I did. There were certain things that we got ahead of. Can I say it that way? To try to make sure that our children didn't have to fight those battles, right? Deal with those, the fallout from whatever that was. We, got, we went ahead of them and dealt with certain things. The protection from the unseeable. The protection from those hidden things that would ensnare us, would trap us, would, would get us hung up. And then finally, the third way that I believe that God affords us protection is through the protection of miracles. Miracles. Psalm 91 verse 11 says, For he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. This verse clearly indicates that the Father has commands is able to command his supernatural servants to intervene on our behalf. A miracle is defined in the Bible 
is an event that involves the direct and powerful action of God, transcending the ordinary laws and defying common expectations of behavior. That's what a real genuine miracle is. Now, some have suggested that miracles are not for today. Even some within the church choose to have more of a, what I would call a naturalistic worldview of excluding and discounting the existence of miracles. But it is clear from reading Scripture that those who desire to live in the house of God are supposed to have a supernaturalistic point of view. That we are actually, that's why they call us, one reason why they call us believers is that we actually believe that God is able, and not only able, but willing to perform miracles for his children. Thank you. That means that you and I must live and believe that God can and does miraculously intervene in the affairs of our lives. I'd like to, uh, if you could throw that picture up of that lady right here. This lady's name is Anna Emma McKinley. Now, the picture you see on your left is the result of, this lady worked in like a, uh, uh, a warehouse. And there was an area in the warehouse where she um, was one of the people in charge of inventorying uh, on these humongous shelves in this warehouse. Uh, you know, I picture in my mind like an Amazon warehouse, right? Where there's just boxes and boxes and boxes up on shelves as high as, you know, you could possibly reach. And she was one of the ladies working in that. And uh, I forget, it's like 1993, I think, 93. And during the night, she was on the night shift, she fell out uh, up from a, on top of one of the places that she was trying to retrieve material from. She fell, and her leg got wedged in, a, uh, in between some of the shelving and stuff there, and she hung there till the next day, till somebody found her. Now, the complications from her what happened led her, so that happened in 1983, or 93, and for 18 years, she, uh, you know, it went from bad to worse. She ended up in a wheelchair. She had no use. If you can see her, I believe it would be her left arm. She, her spine started to grow uh, sideways, and she lived like that for 18 years. 18 years. On Christmas Eve of 2011, she fell out of her wheelchair. Nobody was home. She had a caregiver. I listened to the testimony of the caregivers. This lady was like her personal caregiver for almost the whole 18 years, I guess. And when she arrived the next morning to get her out of bed and do what they do, she found her, actually she did she went there and during this Christmas Eve night, this woman, Emma, had some kind of supernatural encounter with God. And when her caregiver came the next morning, she opened the door, started to go back to the bedroom to start the daily routine, and Emma walked out to greet her completely whole. completely whole. So the lady you see on the right picture is after this miracle happened. Now, she was being doctored by, I don't, I want to say John Hopkins or some, they called it some RSV or something that she was battling. Um, anyways, there, there are, uh, you know, this isn't just, you know, so-and-so had uh, a bad headache, and so on and so on. 
this was like crazy stuff, right? And she attributes it. She believes she had an encounter with God Almighty. She said this presence showed up and, and you know, to, I, I encourage you to go and hear her testimony. It will, it will send chills down your back. And, and, and so this lady went from being a complete invalid uh, to completely normal overnight. <laughs> um, amazing, absolutely amazing. I say that to us to conclude with this. There is protection for those who choose to make God's house their house. God does care for those who are his children like any true father would. Many years ago now, uh, I use this as an analogy. My wife left our home and went for a walk out back. During her walk, she encountered a cat that obviously had lived without care for quite some time. She brought the cat home. We ended up calling him Mr. Nice. My wife decided to take care of this cat. His real name, I think I just told you, was Mr. Nice. I, over time, ended up calling him Mr. Millionaire. <laughs> because the amount of money that my wife expended on this cat at the vet has definitely put a dent in my children's inheritance. There's no doubt about it. We'll never recover from it. We'll never recover. Now, Mr. Nice, <clears throat> Mr. Nice went from having sweeping, matted, his eyes were like shut. He was all emaciated. You know what I'm talking, you know, you get the picture, right? I don't have to describe it anymore. He went from that to being this incredibly healthy, uh, he was actually a very nice cat. That's why we called him Mr. Nice. Very, very nice cat. Now, I wished I could tell you that, that nothing ever bad happened to that cat again. But one night, my wife was coming home from her work, and Mr. Nice, as he always did, would, would, it was more like a dog. He would always go out to greet us when we were coming home. And she ran over Mr. Nice. The very person who had provided all of this awesome care and whatnot ran over Mr. Nice. She came in the house crying. I think I just ran over the cat. All right, I'll go out and see if I can find him. And I'm out there, Mr. Nice, Mr. Nice, Mr. Nice. I'm looking. I got flashlights. It's nighttime. I'm looking. I can't find Mr. Nice anywhere. Days go by. And we finally come to the conclusion, well, he must have went off and died. We were about ready to leave to go down and visit my mom and dad, and I said, well, just in case, maybe, maybe he's still around. We should put some food and water out for him, right? So we left. We went to Pennsylvania. We were gone for three days or whatever, a couple, three days. We come home, and there's Mr. Nice on the woodpile with a broken back leg dangling. Did I mention to you about how much this cost me? <laughs> so, being the caregiver that my wife was, she took him to the vet, and he got a beautiful, uh, it was a pink-colored cast on his leg. So, he walked. So, when he walked now, he, he never, ever got used to it, but when he walked, he like this. 
I can remember. <laughs> so I'm in the house. I'm in the house. I'm almost finished. I'm in the house. And it was hunting season. And we have a deck that wraps around a portion of our house. And, and <clears throat> I'm in the house, and I kept hearing this, doom, doom, doom. I'm like, dude, somebody is shooting right in my backyard. So I'm out, I'm looking out the windows trying to see blaze orange and where the, you know, where, I, where are they at? And that, that type of thing, and I see nothing. So I go back a few minutes later, doom. Dude, I'm like, dude, they are right out there shooting guns, right outside my house. And I'm, so this time I decided to walk out the front door and I'm walking down the deck and there's Mr. Nice with his peg leg, you know, dude, 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 coming around. I'm like, oh man, you're crazy. Drive me crazy here. Listen, I, I, I tell you that story because if, I think Jesus, I know Jesus said this. He said, if we are of a, such a nature to care for people, animals, whatever you want to say. I mean, if there's something in us, how much more our Heavenly Father? Like Josh said earlier, you know, comparing his love for us to our love for him, it, the scales are way off there, right? The same is true of our care. As parents, we look to care for those children that are ours, but I don't think we can even begin to, uh, to measure God's care, our Father's care for us. So, one of the benefits that you and I have from living, making our, 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 putting our heart in the Father's house and, and making sure we're intentionally investing in that relationship is he affords us protection for our, every aspect of our lives, body, soul, and spirit. I want to pray for us this morning. Lord, I'm just thankful that I get to live in your house. I'm thankful that I figured it out fairly early in life that it's much better in your house than it is outside your house. After having had a brief stint of doing my own thing and realizing that in the, at the end of that, at that own thing is, is brokenness and vulnerability, Lord, I thank you for convincing me to come back home to live with you. And I can say after all these many years, Lord, while life has not been trouble-free, I know I can testify to how you have protected me through wisdom. You have, you have gone before me and dealt with some snares that were out there ready to entangle me. And I have seen your miraculous hand at work in my life. And I pray for everyone here today, Father, that you would give them eyes to see your Father's care and protection in their lives. And Lord, when the enemy comes to convince us otherwise, when he comes to tempt us that you really don't care, may we send him packing just like Jesus did. Thank you for your protection. In Jesus' name. Amen.